0: Please stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. We're reading today from Acts 14. That's Acts 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews, who refused to believe, stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Jews Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them, but they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there was a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that man, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, "'Friends, why are you doing this? "'We too are only human like you. "'We are bringing you the good news, "'telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God.' who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. They preached the gospel in that city, won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. When they had preached the word in Perga, They went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. This is the word of the Lord.
1: He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Giving honor to our King, to God the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. With thanksgiving to Pastor Gerald stand, our shepherd, And to all of the elders, thank you for entrusting uh, this task of preaching to our church family, to me. And also, good morning to all of you. Uh, Pause with me a minute here in prayer, and then we will commence in the word of God together. We praise you, Father, for sending us the Son, Jesus our King, our forgiveness rests on him being forsaken of God. Thank you for forgiving us of sin. Thank you for taking our wrath. Blessed Bricados, Father, we thank you for their service and the service of all of our partners. God, would you use them and us to put an end to trafficking there and here oh god bless that the block party could be filled up with people from all over oak park and you could use it as a hallway to making them part of our church making them to know christ thank you for ministry that brother chris has brought here and for carmen thank you for their family god i know and many of us know it is not easy to move a family across the country would you give them great grace and mercy and kindness? On the other end, may there be many families who would welcome them in the love of Christ, and a church family that will receive them in love as if they have been there all their lives. Would you bless us to know you through your word today, through the simplicity of your word, may we have great joy as Christ is revealed. Would you speak the gospel to us and bless us to do your will, We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In reading Acts, one sees a stark contrast in Paul's method differing from what he did in Acts 13 in the Pisidian regions to what he does in Acts 14 in the Galatian regions. In Acts 13, he was seen blinding sorcerers, exhorting Jews against scoffing condemning unbelief and shaking dust off his feet. Strong acts of judgment were evident because jealous intrusions threatened the message of the gospel where the apostles had been invited to speak. But in Acts 14, where one might expect rebuke, warning, and signs of turning away from a people, one sees that those same tactics are absent among people who have a different understanding of the gospel. For just like parenting requires consideration of each child's different experiences, abilities, understanding, will, esteem, and the child's interpretation of his or her own life, and just like trying to do in your marriage everything that friends and siblings do to make their spouses happy will not work for you, so too the ministry to which Christ has called us requires us to have flexibility, gospel flexibility, in order to reach people who are not within the same proximity of faith as those more familiar with the gospel story hopefully this passage will urge us to tell an unbeliever the story of Christ this week hopefully this passage will give us perspective on the place of persecution in our lives and hopefully this passage will challenge each one of us to pour our lives into other believers especially newer or younger ones. Arriving in Iconium, a Greek city run as a demos from which we get democracy. It was ruled by an educated people rather than a magistrate. Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel according to their familiar pattern of going to the synagogue first. They are still on target with the commission from Acts 1.8, and they have been sent by the Spirit in Acts 13. They see people respond to their message with belief. But Jewish unbelievers come and poison the mind of people in this town. This is where you might expect strong rebuke from Paul and Barnabas. Instead, the apostles dig in their heels and stay in this town. The Spirit grants them signs and wonders to verify their message. They only leave town when a plot to stone them becomes known. In this initial scene, Luke shows the first of three things we will see about gospel flexibility in this passage. One, one, Gospel flexibility requires confronting minds poisoned against Christ while avoiding mad people's plots. It requires confronting minds poisoned against Christ while avoiding mad people's plots. I'm in verses 1 through 7. At stake here, is the poisoning of people's minds. Barnabas and Paul's opponents might have been saying of them those two guys are just after your money or don't let them deceive you against your Greek gods or All the Jews reject the message of these men, so you must reject it too, for we have not accepted that this Jesus is Messiah. They could have been saying many other things to make it seem like Paul and Barnabas were there to harm rather than to help and to offer life. Whatever the poisoning, Paul and Barnabas stayed in town to counter it. For these new converts could have been lost among the opinions and the Jewish opposition if Paul leaves too soon. They could think the message of the gospel could not withstand the poison. Instead... Paul and Barnabas stay until sufficient growth has taken place that they can move on in the face of a plot, a very serious plot. The word behind plot shows a people spontaneous and out of control, but yet determined, let's do anything to get rid of him. Let's stone him. We live in an age in which there are many means to poison people against Christianity. In school, we have many like Arthur Miller, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Tony Morrison, George Eliot, and George Bernard Shaw to thank when it comes to providing classical works of literature that tell people that Christianity is only for a bunch of fear-mongering hypocrites. We have the likes of Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, Richard Dawkins, and the late Christopher Hitchens who tell people to blame Christianity for everything ill in the world, especially any anti-science element. We have all of the ex-church goers who are glad to speak about ills of rigid religion and toxic congregational life, things by the way which we must own, Then there's the handing of fodder to the poisoners with every new revelation of a Christian leader disgraced by a sexual, financial, or authoritarian abuse scandal. But none of these poisoning ideas tell the whole story of the Christian message. They speak of the ills common to all, but they do not speak of the powerful, life-changing work of the death of Christ displayed in the great majority of believers throughout all of church history. Such poisonous ideas. Take prominent figures and general sins and make them representative of the fullness and depth of a vibrant and faithful walk with Christ, even though such caricatures of our faith are false. Significant to this passage. When we meet people whose minds have been poisoned against the gospel, it does not always mean that we need to turn away from speaking with them about Christ. Our message's effectiveness is much more powerful than a simple cut-and-run option. Sometimes we need to stand and respond to hecklers, skeptics, and haters, just as Paul and Barnabas did. We are not doing so in order to show off the power of Christ in a prideful expose. We are simply standing in the resurrection strength of Christ. Other times, the opposition will be so fierce that we will need to pack and say to ourselves, time to leave. We'll let God do the rest and we'll keep praying. There is no one right way. We have to be flexible. Two. Gospel flexibility requires adapting the presentation of Christ while not changing the message. Gospel flexibility requires adapting the presentation of Christ while not changing the message. In Lystra, 18 miles from Iconium, which was 90 miles from Antioch of Pisidia, Paul and Barnabas encounter a man who was born unable to walk. The account is constructed to recall the man born unable to walk in Acts chapter 3 as the words he could not use his feet and crippled from birth and had never walked are all repeated from Acts chapter 3. In comparing the two passages, Luke will portray Paul as equal in apostolic authority to the apostles Peter and John. With this authority and power from the Spirit, Paul calls the man to his feet because this man had faith in Christ to be healed as he heard Paul preaching the gospel. This does not mean that faith is a trigger to healing. For the man at the gate in Acts chapter 3 simply was asking for alms when he was healed and he was not responding to any message. Also, Paul as an apostle, had an ability that we do not have to discern and to call out faith in other people. Well, at least I know I cannot look at someone with lame legs and determine that the person has the faith to believe in God or as he or she hears me proclaim Christ. You might have that ability, but I do not have that ability. Moreover, Many people with great faith have remained lame in their legs and feet, awaiting the new, glorious, Christ-like bodies promised to all believers in the resurrection. This healing episode is unique for Paul to do. What occurs next happens among a highly suspicious people who have no knowledge of the things of God. These are not the demos people of Iconium or Sergius Paulus or people who go to the synagogue every Sunday. These are worshipers of false gods. They overlay their belief system onto both the message Paul has been preaching and the miracle of healing. They start worshiping Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes rather than placing faith in Christ, who Paul has been preaching. As a result, they start shouting that the gods have come down as men. Word travels fast across the city to the temple of Zeus just outside of the town. The priest of the temple to Zeus rushes to bring sacrifices to the city. The city goes wild over one man getting up and walking. There is a legend that goes with this chapter written only about 50 years before Paul and Barnabas arrive in Lystra. And I'm in a great setting to tell it, since Pastor Gerald probably would love to have had another occasion to share from the Greek and Roman classics with you. The Latin poet Ovid had recorded a visit by Jupiter and Mercury, the Roman equivalents of Zeus and Hermes, to the Phrygian hill country, the neighboring area of Lystra. They disguised themselves as mortals who wanted lodging, but after going to 1,000 homes, they were completely rejected. A very poor elderly couple received them, and as a result of their hospitality, the couple's home was turned into a temple, and they were made priests. But the gods destroyed the people who did not receive them and leveled all of their homes. Familiar with this story? The whole town jumps to offer the proper respect to Paul and Barnabas, who they perceive to be Hermes and Zeus. When Paul and Barnabas finally discern from their actions what is going on, since they do not speak like Lycaonian, they tear their clothes to show that the people are blaspheming. And for Paul, this of course becomes an opportunity for the good news. In his preaching to these idolaters who do not know the Old Testament, we are going to see that Paul varies the way he communicates the gospel itself because of the understanding of the audience. He does not change the message of the gospel because verse 7 says he preached the gospel. And we know that the healed man had faith in Christ to be healed. But in this truncated report of the full message Paul preaches, one sees that he does not preach to the idolaters a message based on the Old Testament as he did for the Jewish people in Pisidian Antioch. After clarifying that he and Barnabas are humans like them and not deity, he focuses on the created order and nature. Elements common to them as humans. His good news, as Luke calls it, his gospel message has three simple points for the worshipers of false gods. And for you who are listening among us today who have thoughts that the idea of God is just a delusion. One, turn from emptiness to the living creator. Paul says, Turn from these vain things represented by the artifacts in their culture and their quick hero worship of Barnabas and Paul. Turn to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Two, God has been patient with disobedience done in ignorance. Luke writes, In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. God is in heaven allowing people to live in disobedience. He is allowing you to live in disobedience to his holy and righteous commandments. Three, God has given evidence of his existence. Paul preached Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Paul points to the defense against which no one can argue logically, that the existence and the continuance of all things created points to an uncreated being. This uncreated being revealed now in Jesus, but previously unknown to them and maybe to you, sent rain and crops for provision and joy in this life. Paul will even attribute the merriment enjoyed by unbelievers like vacation trips, but Billiken parades, and La La Palooza. To the gracious hand of God, making himself known to a people, rejecting his very existence. So I plead with you who are deluded and poisoned with ideas that there is no such thing as God, that you would drop that illogical and impossible conclusion and let God make himself known to you through faith in Christ today. See me or someone wearing a Calvary badge immediately after this service or call in to the Choice church's voicemail today and ask to speak to a staff member or an elder if you are joining us remotely and we will call you. On Paul's varied approach, the late British Anglican Evangelical John Stott wrote. We need to learn from Paul's flexibility. We have no liberty to edit the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ, nor is there ever any need to do so. But we have to begin where people are to find a point of contact with them. With secularized people today, this might be what constitutes authentic humanness, the universal quest for transcendence, the hunger for love and community, the search for freedom, or the longing for personal significance. Wherever we begin, however, we shall end with Jesus Christ, who himself is the good news and who alone can fulfill all human aspirations. Be flexible, says stop. Start wherever people's understanding of spiritual matters is and use that to walk people to the creator who has revealed himself in the person of the son, Jesus. That is our task if we will see the spiritual healing of people from all nations, including people who are outside of any Judeo-Christian social setting and people who have no consideration at all of a creator in their belief systems. On other occasions from this pulpit, I have shared with you that I have a planned conversational format when I hop into an Uber ride so that I can get to a gospel conversation with the driver. I start by asking the driver how long the driver has lived in Chicagoland, and I share how long I have lived here. I ask how long the driver has worked for Uber, and I listen as the driver recalls the time. Then I ask what the person does in his or her day job and if Uber is part time or full time. This almost always leads to asking a question of what I do for a living. It is very easy to get to the gospel from there, for after explaining what I do, I just ask Has anyone explained the story of the gospel to you? You might also remember, however, that I told you that you do not have to be in one of my fields of employment in order to do the same thing. You can simply tell what you do and then say, but as important and as fun as my job is or my schooling is, I enjoy even more telling people the story of the gospel. Has anyone ever explained the story of the gospel to you? In the last two weeks, I had two Uber rides going and coming from the airport in which my prefabricated gospel performance was not appropriate and did not fit the occasion. In both instances, the drivers were Muslim and neither one asked me what I did for a living. <laughs> now that's a big oopsie for me. I mean, What am I now supposed to do? My performance has been cut off here. My memorized lines here are useless, and I cannot introduce Jesus as the son of God, lest the Muslim drivers deafen their ears to what I am saying. Therefore, I found myself at that uncomfortable place of choice We always come to, in a potential gospel presentation, the choice in which I am tempted to be ashamed of Jesus and make an excuse for why I cannot now open my mouth and speak the gospel, or I can choose to be bold and straightforward. I know each one of you knows that feeling that I'm talking about. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You know exactly what feeling I mean. On each of these occasions, the Lord gave me grace to be bold. And without the canned presentation, I launched into the presentation as if the drivers had actually asked me what I do. (laughs) In my day job, I said, I get to prepare students to live for the gospel of Jesus Christ in their vocations. Has anyone ever shared the gospel with you? In this same grace, The second driver was open to reading the scriptures to learn more about Jesus. He parked his car in front of our home and stayed long enough for Pam to run into the house and give him a Bible from our shelf and to show him where to start reading in the Gospel of Mark so that he could encounter Jesus quickly. I would ask that you would please keep both Saeed and Saburon in prayer that they would meet Christ in mercy. Now. If I had relied on my canned approach to the gospel that I have used on many occasions, who knows if the second driver would ever have stood in my driveway to talk. But I'm humbled by the Lord's grace and mercy upon my initial sinful hesitation to continue the conversation and the grace to make the change in the presentation so that he might share the message of his love with two drivers, with philosophical systems different from our own. We have to be flexible. Three, gospel flexibility requires building new believers in Christ while testifying of God's work. To the mature, starting down around verse 19. Paul's message gets him stoned with stones when Jewish opposition comes to town and takes advantage over the confusion of the identity of Paul and Barnabas. They are not concerned with the idolaters turning to their understanding of the true God according to Jewish monotheism. The Jews don't even care that there are idolaters in front of them who should move over to Judaism. All they care about is getting rid of Paul and his message. Paul looks dead as they drag him by his hands or by his feet out of the city and just leave him for dead. No thought of burial for the gospel preacher who is not really Hermes. Just toss him aside for the wild animals and the birds that prey on carcasses to feed on. However, Paul is not dead, and he gets up when the believers gather around him outside of the city. The next words show the depth of Paul's belief in the resurrection of Christ. For rather than saying, that's it boys, the stoning was too much, Pack it up and let's go. He walks back into the city in which he was just stoned with stones. Luke does not tell us why. He just tells us the fact that he did and he lets us fill in with those around Paul, those in town, and the Jewish opposition all would have thought upon seeing this. It is only the next day that Paul leaves for Derby. What does Paul do in Derby? He does the same thing that he's been doing in every city. He preaches the gospel leading to conversions to faith despite having just been stoned. After Derby, however, Paul and Barnabas will go, will not go to new cities. Instead, they will return to strengthen the faith and growth of the disciples in the cities where they previously preached the gospel and saw conversions to Christ. This means that they will go back to Lystra where Paul had just been stoned with stones and they will build up disciples there who may have been concerned about Paul or who may have needed help processing their faith in light of the past idol worship. This means they go back to Iconium where there was a failed attempt of stoning on the Apostle Paul's life. There too they will give themselves to fostering the maturity of believers so that there can be an ongoing gospel witness in places where they have preached the gospel. It means that they will go back to the city in Antioch where previously almost the entire city came to hear them preach the gospel. The ancient Jews brought opposition. Paul and Barnabas turned to the Gentiles with the gospel and the Gentiles rejoiced. They have to go back there and make sure that they have the growth and faith necessary for a sustained gospel witness after Paul and Barnabas leave town. Paul and Barnabas will do two more prescriptive things to care for these new believers. First, they will tell them that following the path to Christ's kingdom is paved with much suffering for our faith. Being attacked and hated is something that is par for the course as we invite people to drop what they think is right and happy living, and to pick up living in the truth and power and joy of Christ. Persecution does not mean we don't talk about Jesus. Persecution assumes we are talking about Jesus. Second, they established elders so that the church might be guided by the word of God through men with the character of Christ. If it were enough for believers to live apart from organized religion, we would not need elders. This is so that you can have conversation with fellow believers who say, I got Jesus, I don't need church. Faith in Christ could be enough and everyone's faith could be privatized. if. We didn't have elders, but Paul and Barnabas established elders in every city to guide the believers in truth and in the Christian life. They look at those weak in the faith due to the newness of their faith and provide the best care for them to be successful in their faith by placing mature persons in the faith in loving authority over them. Paul and Barnabas make the appointment of elders with prayer and fasting from food. They hunger for the Lord to meet with them and show them who should care for his flock, and they will commend these men to the Lord in whom the men have placed their faith. Paul and Barnabas then pass back through cities mentioned in Acts 13 and Acts 2, Pisidia, Pamphylia, and Perga, most likely serving in the same pattern of building believers, explaining the coming hardships, and establishing elders. They pop through a new city of Attalia and then go back to the home base of mature believers in Antioch, who had sent them out on their mission to proclaim Christ on Gentile soil. It is there that Luke says they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Think a part of this conversation. Paul, tell us how the journey went. At Iconium, we preached in the synagogue and many Jews and Gentiles believed in Jesus. But the Jews turned the Gentiles against us. We stayed for a long time and Gentiles, Jews, and rulers of that city attempted to stone us. But you stayed there in the face of those attempts, right, Paul? No. We left and went to Lystra, Derby and Lycaonia to preach. At Lystra, we preached the gospel, but the people stoned me after they first worshipped us as gods. Everyone thought I was dead. So you left that city, Paul, because of the stoning, right? No, I went back into the city that day. The next day, we went to Derby and preached the gospel. When we finished there, we went back to Lystra. You mean the place where they stoned you? That's right, because God was at work there. Then we went to Iconium. You mean the place where they attempted to stone you? Yes, that's right because God was at work there too. We knew the believers would be a little shaken by the persecution we experienced. So we had to tell them that entering the kingdom of God is not as easy as catching the carousel at the Caesarean pier. And we couldn't leave them as a blob of believers or as a directionless church with no means of growth. So we took the time to appoint elders, to guide them in the word of God and in continuance in proclaiming the gospel in those cities and we couldn't let them think that human strength accomplished the power of salvation and sanctification so we spent time in prayer with the elders fasting with the elders making sure they have been committed to Jesus' gracious care then we passed through a few more cities to preach Only then we came back here to hang out with you for a while before we go do the same thing all over again. In order for the nations to be healed from sin and its ravages on our lives, we must be flexible in the way we take the gospel to people. We must become students of other people's cultures so that we can wisely make conversations relevant to others and not simply to our own cultural familiarities. We will do this so that we can bend between poisoned minds and mad attackers. We will do this so that we can be malleable in the face of various worldviews, so that the Creator can be presented along the road to proclaiming Jesus. And we will be flexible so that we can endure through some hardships while avoiding other attacks. We will do this so we can build other believers to do the same under elders who love them. And we will do all of this so that Christ might be all in all for people who are weak in faith all over the world. May God give us grace to be flexible. Father, we bless you for... The mercy shown in the history of Christianity down to this very day that allowed your servants to have enough wisdom and grace and flexibility to give the gospel to us, not necessarily in the ways it was given to them. The same message, but different means. Oh God, might we have that same grace so that people in River Forest will hear that Jesus died on the cross. Might we have that same grace so that people in Forest Park might hear that he was raised from the dead. Might that grace be great to us so that people in Cicero might hear that Jesus is alive and he is coming soon might you do it so that people who are in Brookfield might for the first time hear there is one who took the wrath of God for their sins. Do it, God, so that all of Chicagoland would hear of the powerful working of God in Jesus Christ the Son. And we would hear about people crying out for salvation all over Chicagoland, across the nation, and in places where Christ is not yet known. Thank you for the grace of God in Christ to us.